the truth, the whole truth, and nothing How but does the, the defendant truth. Plead? Not guilty. What you're going to get is all sorts of killings, which are more to do with clearing away inconvenient old people. Why shouldn't a person decide when they want to die? It makes sense to have the right to life, but not to have a right to there die. There can't be a more basic human right. Guilty. guilty. Hello, I'm Gary Slapper, professor of law at the Open University, and with me is Francis Gibb, legal editor of the Times. In 1961, the Suicide Act made suicide legal, but it retained as a crime assisting or encouraging someone else to commit suicide. In 2010, guidelines were issued clarifying when prosecutions for this crime would be brought. Those guidelines were triggered by the case of Debbie Purdy. Francis, you covered that case. Can you explain the background to what happened? Yes, Debbie Purdy's case was a really heartrending case. She suffers from multiple sclerosis, and she fought this case all the way through the courts up to the House of Lords. And what she wanted was clarification on whether, if her husband at some point in the future helped her to commit suicide, arguably by going abroad to the clinic in Switzerland, whether he would be prosecuted. She didn't want immunity from prosecution. She just wanted that clarity, and the director of public prosecutions had argued, "No, we can't say this in advance." He lost the battle. The House of Lords told him he must issue guidelines, and that's how we got to where we are now. From the point of view of the director of public prosecutions, it's quite easy to see why it would be difficult to say in advance. The circumstances in which someone would be prosecuted, because you'd be having to write、mm. out in minute detail things which really need to be looked at with a discretion as and when they happen. And I think his original argument was that he didn't want, in effect, to be seen to be giving carte blanche for someone to kill someone else. That was his original argument. That, and I、yeah. think also, as a matter of public policy, the DPP can't really fetter his discretion in advance、mm. of someone committing an act. And that was actually what happened before Debbie's case. Case. There was the equally very sad case of Diane Pretty.、Mm. She sadly died before ever hearing about what happened with Debbie Purdy. But what she wanted was immunity from prosecution for her husband, and of、mm. course, there was never going to be any question of that. So a good way through this then was to have to issue guidelines. Explaining in what circumstances the prosecution would be more likely to favour a prosecution, and the circumstances in which it would be、uh, more likely to、uh, disfavour a prosecution, as an indication to the public at large about the sorts of things that the DPP would be considering in the event of having to、uh, make these sort of difficult decisions. What do you think of the idea of、uh, lists like that? Well, it's very interesting. I think the big issue, first of all, is whether this amounts to a change in the law, in effect. And you can argue it both ways. I mean, the DPP went out of his way to say no; he was just clarifying his policy on prosecution. But a lot of people, including, for example, Lord Faulkner, the previous Lord Chancellor, said it's unquestionably a change in the law.
And it does appear to be in some ways because the DPP is actually saying if you fulfil these criteria, such as, for example, that the person you helped had a clear and settled intention to die and that had been stated, etc., there was no pressure put on them, all this, a few uh, factors like that, then they won't prosecute. Well, that's never been spelled out before. So it does seem to be the nearest to a change in the law you can get without legislation from Parliament. Yes, some might see that, although it could work well with uh, discretion as a rather arch compromise between an outright change in the law and an outright refusal to change the law, to say that the law stands as it is, that anyone who assists or encourages a suicide can be prosecuted, but to say that there are all sorts of circumstances like the ones you've mentioned where factors would be produced deterring a prosecution where there had been a clear and settled intention where the suspect was wholly motivated by a compassion and was mm. doing this at the behest of the person who wanted to be killed. The suspect had sought to dissuade what they call the victim from uh, going ahead with it and had been unsuccessful and where the suspect had fully cooperated with the police and reported things to them. There would be less likelihood of a prosecution. I suppose that the cop-out, if that's the an acceptable expression, would be that these don't absolutely bind the director of public prosecutions. No, that's right. I mean, he always retains the option of not prosecuting in those cases, although having spelt it out, by virtue of having mm. set out these yeah. very detailed factors, he is, in a sense, binding himself more than he previously had been. But I think one interesting thing about the guidelines is that it looks not at the person who's suffering, if you like, not their illness, not the state, not the kind of illness they've got, how near to death they are, whether they're paralysed or anything like that. It looks instead at the state of mind of the person who helps them. That's what it really focuses on and whether they were compassionate. That's a very key factor. Mm. And I think the DPP has always been at pains to clearly differentiate between mercy killings and assisted suicide. So if there were circumstances in which the suspect killed someone else because they thought that the person would be put out of their misery and they're doing this a mercy killing, then that still is clearly within the purview of the criminal law. It's prosecutable as murder or or manslaughter. And that's distinct from an assisted suicide where all of the other factors obtain where you're doing this consensually at the behest of the other person and you're doing this wholly motivated through compassion. Quite a lot of the detail in the guidelines has resulted from a very wide consultation, hasn't it, with about 5,000 people? It has. And although generally I think the DPP has steered a very, very careful line down this difficult and delicate route, and not everybody favours these guidelines at all, I think the debate is still kind of similar on as to whether we should have legislation ultimately. A lot of people who favour a right to die, to just use that shorthand, would like to see legislation. But equally, there's Mm. a very vociferous lobby against. And I think that debate will come back because this only really takes it so far. I think a lot of people may think it takes it too far, but there are other cases that are not covered by this. And one that strikes me particularly is what about people... And I'm not advocating that they should be included in the current bracket. But Mm. what about people, for example, who have a clear and settled wish to die and maybe they have some terminal disease and then they lose their mind? So a couple of years down the line, 
they're no longer able to say, right, I'd like to go now. Mm. What about those people? Mm. Yeah, that's an agonisingly difficult situation for the law to have to address. I think you have some personal experience which bears on this matter. Mm, right, I, well, I yeah, do, yeah. because my mother had Alzheimer's for about 10 years and she was in a, a home for nearly six years and um, really not able to express her wishes for at least the last four years of that, say. Mm. And this is a personal view now. Mm. I don't want to impose my view on other people, but I, I wouldn't have wanted for us as relatives to suddenly say, right, I'm sure she'd like to die, so we'll arrange it, you know. Mm. I, I just think that would have been horrific. Mm. And I think that is, to my mind, that's overstepping the line mm. to mercy killing, and I think it's a very dangerous route. Mm. Having said that, you can argue, and I'm sure people would, why should people in that position, who've lost their uh, mind, if you like, not be deprived of the rights that are now afforded to people like Debbie Purdy? Mm. I suppose in cases where... There is a clear and settled intention and where the person is lucid right up until the moment where they're asking for assistance to be given outside the uh, guidelines at the moment and probably almost certainly wouldn't be prosecuted. But it's just where they have expressed an intention which then becomes clouded yes, by something and exactly. you're not quite sure uh, which way the person's will would, would go. Indicate, yeah. And also, even if you were to write it down, a sort of living will, and you were to say if I reach this point, I want to die. Who is going to be the one to decide you've reached the point that, right, that's it? Mm. And who's going to actually affect the taking away of life, if you mm. like? I mean, Baroness mm. Warnock is all in favour, and I think she recently said something almost along the lines of, well, we should, you know, bump off a few of these elderly people. But I think, you know, a lot of people would be horrified about that. Mm. Yes, I mean, they've made some concessions between the earlier versions of the guidelines and the ones which became the final guidelines, some changes were made, weren't they? That's to say that uh, the idea that a spouse or a life partner was the person who did the killing was originally listed as oh, something yes. which would count against the prosecution being made because the assumption was that there would be an enduring love between those two people and that uh, this would therefore militate against the prosecution until representations were made, I think, to the opposite directions. That, uh, might be the very opposite. It might, of the might be exactly the opposite. And that also there was a sensitivity towards people who were in the category of uh, terminally ill or who had some particularly distressing and incurable conditions that it would be unfortunate to put those in a default position of being people who, if a suicide was assisted, would be assumed to have uh, wanted it. And so there's no reference in the final guideline no. to people with those particular uh, conditions because it's not a condition-focused set of guidelines. It's uh, more to do with the motivation, the perceived motivation. That, that's the, right. That's uh, right. Of, of the person. Well, it's too soon to say, I think, how they're going to operate. We need to see a few cases going through now to see how it works in practice. Yes, I suppose like um, so much of law, the original paper law doesn't mean very much until the cases uh, come through the courts. Well, that's been an intriguing discussion. Thank you so much for that, Francis. This is a podcast from the Open University Business School Law Programme. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk law. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.